Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to your one-stop shop for horror news, true crime, and real-life tales of the unexplained, Monsters at Midnight, The Revenge. Episodes of Monsters upload on a bi-weekly format every other Saturday. I'm your host, your favorite escaped madman, loose on the airwaves, terrorizing your eardrums, Matt Schaefer. Today I'm going to be reviewing the latest Indiana Jones adventure, Dial of Destiny. After that, we take a look back at Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, exploring its problems and plundering its treasures. Lock your doors, bolt your windows, and turn out the lights. Monsters at Midnight, the motherfucking revenge rides again. Boy, howdy, do the hits keep coming. <laughs> it was another brutal, emotionally exhausting week. Um, so I apologize for this non-horror-themed uh, episode. Um, despite uh, how hard this week was, I did get a chance to go see Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Um, and I, it's also, it's it's my fucking show, so I can I sometimes need to remind myself that I can talk about whatever I want to talk about, regardless of if it really pertains to the sort of theme and format of the show that we created all those years ago. Um, so let's quit beating about the, uh, beating around the bush. Uh, I got a fun episode here planned for you. Let's start with a review of Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny. Brief synopsis, finding himself in a new era, approaching retirement, Indy wrestles with fitting into a world that seems to have outgrown him. But as the tentacles of an all-too-familiar evil return in the form of an old rival, Indy must don his hat and pick up his whip once more to make sure an ancient and powerful artifact doesn't fall into the wrong hands. Starring Harrison Ford, Phoebe Waller-Bridge, Antonio Banderas, John Rhys-Davies, Toby Jones, and, of course, Mads Mikkelsen. Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny is the fifth and, from what I understand, final Indiana Jones film. It is an interesting movie. Um, one of the most pointless movies <laughs> ever made, but just because it's pointless doesn't mean it's bad. Um, going back a bit, I remember when this movie was first announced. Uh, from the jump, I was skeptical, uh, borderline pessimistic, because there just didn't seem like there was any real point or reason to continue the Indiana Jones story. Um, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, from what I remember, did well at the box office. I mean, these movies always do. Um, I don't know how well this one's doing, um, just because people don't go to the movie theaters anymore. Oh yeah, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull made a shit ton of money, but as is sort of famed in the in the walls of uh, cinematic history, um, that I don't know if that sentence made any sense, but. Indiana Jones and the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull received exceptionally polarizing reviews. To this day, even, uh, it's sitting at a 77% uh, approval rating on Rotten Tomatoes with a 6.2 IMDb rating. However, on Letterboxd, it is uh, sitting at a 2.6 rating. Um, and we'll get to Crystal Skull later, but it, it's just it's sort of... Uh, 
paints the picture of did we need another Indiana Jones movie? Uh, because whether or not you like Crystal Skull, it kind of ties up his story with a nice happy ending and the seeds of a potential sequel at the end um, without Harrison Ford, or at least without Harrison Ford as the main character. So when this movie was announced, I was skeptical. When it was announced that James Mangold would be directing and not Steven Spielberg, I was all the more skeptical because it's like, why are we even doing this? It, and it purely felt from like a cynical, cash-grabby reason. Um, legacy sequels were starting to pop off. We saw it with Force Awakens and Halloween and a bunch of other stuff, Terminator as well. It just, legacy sequels all of a sudden became the hot new thing to do. However, when I started seeing trailers with this movie, for this movie, I got excited. It, it was, it's, it's always fun seeing an Indiana Jones movie. Uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark is one of my absolute favorite films. I adore the original trilogy. I could watch those movies any day of the week and never get bored. Um, they are the quintessential adventure movies. It's just one of the greatest like lead characters uh, of in cinematic history. One of my personal favorites, at least, with a great uh, like larger than life movie star to portray him. So when the trailers came out, I was getting excited. I I thought uh, it was cool seeing familiar faces and interesting uh teasing with like the de-aging techniques and i was i was genuinely curious to check this movie out i went into dial of destiny with the expectation that it would not be as good as the original three uh i mean most things aren't it would be damn near impossible for it to be as good as the original three and sure enough it's not but like i said that doesn't make it bad. Uh, also, still kind of to what I was saying earlier, this is a pretty pointless movie. Again, doesn't mean it's bad. It is not as cynical or as um, uh, shallow as I thought it was going to be. I can tell that there was a lot of love behind the scenes and in front of the camera uh, making this movie. I can tell that everyone was having a lot of fun. Harrison Ford in particular looks like he is enjoying himself. He looks like he is more than happy to be playing this character one last time. Um, yeah, for the most part, I think this is a solid film. Uh, it is far from perfect and it has a lot of problems. Uh, I was talking with a friend of mine last night who also saw it and he, I think he liked it less than me and was more eager to pick it apart than I was because, again, it's been a brutal week and I was just happy to be seeing an Indiana Jones movie, uh, afternoon well spent at the movies. Um, but there are a lot of problems with this film. Starting with the things that I like, there are some really good moments in this movie. Um... The opening uh, flashback sequence, the sort of prologue to the, the main story, is a lot of fun. And the, the de-aging thing is weird, but it honestly works pretty well and isn't terribly distracting. Um, the most distracting bit is like Harrison Ford trying to throw his voice back into the register it was back in the 
late uh, mid to late 80s. It doesn't always hit. You can tell it's still 80-year-old Harrison Ford doing it. But it's paced really well and shot really nice. Um, I will say, I don't know if it was an issue with uh, the projection uh, at the theater I was at or if it was just a problem with the film. But all the... Uh, either nighttime scenes or like scenes in dimly lit areas are just looked really muddy and uh underlit and i'm noticing that more and more is like a thing so i again i i could be just an issue with the projection at the place that i was seeing it or it's just like was poorly lit but it ha uh, the opening has a lot of great set pieces a lot of great uh humor uh it is a solid opening there's also a really great tuk-tuk chase through the streets of Tangier that really brings back that old Indiana Jones spirit. More things I like about this movie is Harrison Ford. Harrison Ford is wonderful in this film. He has a lot of heart behind the performance, still has that same smirking charisma, and also just brings a, a, a somberness to the 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 piece uh, as the film attempts to deal with a lot of themes about age and the past and the and life and stuff like that he deal he does really well with the material um even though I, there are issues with it which i will get to he uh it, it was very nice to see him back in this role again i also really like phoebe waller bridge in this movie uh she's a lot of fun uh, i can see her character being divisive because she is kind of a brat for lack of a better phrase and also just she is sort of uh it it's she's the best way to put it is like uh seeing someone like Belloc from the original Indiana Jones working with Indiana Jones. She's a lot more greedy. She's a lot more in the game for the money than for, like, the actual pursuit and uh, uh, preservation of history uh, that Indy is all about. There's a kid sidekick named Teddy who is fun. Um, doesn't really have a whole lot to do, but um, it, it reminds me of Short Round in Temple of Doom, so I appreciated his... Um, uh, I appreciated his uh, contribution to the film. The real show stealer uh, is Mads Mikkelsen as the villain Jürgen Wohler. Uh, he is delectable and devilish and just pure Mads Mikkelsen through and through. He is an intimidating villain, uh, a little too self-serious, but towards the end of the film when his... Uh, I'm not going to get into spoilers in this review because it is still in the theaters and I want you to go see it and incur and form your own opinion and I just like that people are excited about going to the movies again so please go see this movie. I'm not going to get into spoilers. Uh, but it was fun seeing uh, as things are going wrong for him at the end of the film seeing him like fall apart and kind of go unhinged. Uh, he's really, really good in this movie. Um, in general, this is a well- blocked and directed movie uh the visual scale and the sh uh, shot compositions cinematography again maybe barring the nighttime dimly lit stuff looks great it feels like a indiana jones movie the settings are great the set pieces are uh just pure indiana jones through and through However, that kind of leads into the negative aspects of this movie, is this movie is so paint-by-numbers, 
uh, th that it feels weightless. Now, Paint by Numbers Indiana Jones is still Indiana Jones, so like I said, still had a lot of fun with this movie. But also, this movie is 40 minutes longer than all of the other Indiana Jones films. This movie is 2 hours and 35 minutes, and I don't think it needs to be. I think the other, the, the second longest Indiana Jones movie is like 2 hours and 2 minutes, but most of them are right around 2 hours. I don't think this movie needs to be that long, and it's really in the middle third, where it just kind of seems like we're going through a revolving door of characters and set pieces that don't really don't really have any like deeper meaning other than we just want to have this big broad globe trotting uh adventure like i mentioned at the top antonio banderas is in this movie but like barely uh john reese davies is in this movie returning as sala which is fun but like barely really underutilized uh and that's sort of the thing is like it just kind of seen after the first third of the film it really kind of seems like it really loses momentum and really loses direction before it comes back up in the finale, which is ludicrous and a lot of fun, uh, and also uh, eventually pretty touching. Um, I That being said, I think the finale could have been handled a lot better. I have problems with the finale in terms of the storytelling, and I think they could have done a lot more interesting things with it. Again, I don't want to go too deep into spoilers. Uh, so that's the first biggest issue with this movie, is it is fairly routine, and it really loses steam in the middle chunk. Uh, it was, it really just feels like, it feels like it, it, they really lost the way of how they want to get to the end. So to mask the fact that, like, they had, it's like they had the, Plan, like point A and point C, but the point B was like, oh, well, we'll just figure out how we'll get there. We'll just, we'll vibe, and we'll just be way longer than we need to be. There's also a lot, a fair amount of retconning, not necessarily retconning, but explaining uh, what happened to certain characters from Kingdom of the Crystal Skull that your mileage may vary with. Uh, I do still feel feel like this movie is somewhat of an apology for Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, which I don't think is necessarily fair. And also, if like for there to be an uh, like a quote unquote apology to Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, this movie is 15 years too late. Um, like that ship has sailed. Uh, the fact that we're doing it now just seems really it, it is when it really kind of seems like uh, a corporation ha like mandated this movie to be made, despite all the passion that I can feel when I watch this movie. The biggest, is, however, the second and in my opinion biggest issue with this movie is it wants to tell the story about age and time and uh, a lifetime, but it doesn't gel with a lot of the action that happens in this movie. There's a scene in the back half of the movie where Indy is scaling a cliff, and Phoebe Waller-Bridges is like, 
is like soaring ahead of him because Harrison Ford is 80 years old. I canonically I don't know how old Indiana Jones is supposed to be, but he's old. Um, and Indy starts complaining about it. he's like he's got plates in his knee and he's been shot nine times and he's been tortured by the the Tuggy cult and like uh, just like basically like lamenting like why am I doing this? This is absolutely ridiculous. However, the rest of the movie, you still see him punching Nazis with the force of a thousand suns with that great old school Indiana Jones uh, sound effect that sounds like a cannon going off. And he's still jumping between moving vehicles. So it was in that moment where I'm like, are we actually going to have a discussion about his age? Because everything up to this point hasn't suggested that this has been a problem for him. And it, that's where my biggest grievances come from, because if you're going to do a legacy sequel like this, you have two options. You Either you make a completely different Indiana Jones movie, where it's more somber, less, less, less of a bigger scale, uh, more reflective, maybe something more like a film noir. Like, I'm not saying that Indiana Jones shouldn't be going through caves and shit, but, like, lower, like, dial it back a little bit or you go in the opposite direction where you just you don't acknowledge it at all like indiana jones has just been taking really good care of himself and this is still what he does and what he enjoys doing because there i mean it would still stretch believability but like harrison ford is still pretty cognizant uh and he still appears to take good care of himself so and there are plenty of old people in this world that can do amazing, incredible things, like run marathons or lift weights or whatever else. So, like, it wouldn't be completely unbelievable to just, like, this is just how... This is just how Indy do. Like, and this is how he's always been and how he's always going to be. So, like, you can't have it both ways. And it really took me out of the movie because, like... And, and like, even like small little changes like if he like punched someone and like he like he shook his hand out because like he hasn't punched anyone in like 20 years or like i don't remember when crystal skull takes place but like 10 years 15 years oh no it is 15 years it's literally the time that passed from the release dates Maybe when he's jumping between moving vehicles, he's winded, or he really fucks himself up somehow. Because the thing is, is like also in the early Indiana Jones movies, he's not a superhero. Like especially in Raiders, when he gets onto the boat that uh, of the pirates that Sala arranges for transport of the Ark, he's in rough shape. He can barely move. He can barely like do anything. So. That was, it was just too distracting for me to, like, have this sort of conversation but not have it. And also, by the end of the movie, I don't really think the themes of, like, age and time really coalesced into a sort of meaningful way. And that's why I think, had they handled the finale differently, it would have been more effective. At least for me, personally. So, with all that out of the way... I gave this movie a three and a half out of four, uh, excuse me, out of five stars. It's probably closer to a three than it is a four, um, because I still, I enjoyed myself. I was happy to see one last Indiana Jones movie, regardless of how pointless it may be. Like I said, is it paint by 
numbers Indiana Jones in several ways, yes, but it's still Indiana Jones. There were laughs, there were thrills, there were chills. It was a solid afternoon at the movies. I could see myself falling out of favor with this, potentially, if I rewatch this in like a year, because maybe I just needed like a comfy adventure movie with Harrison Ford back in the fedora uh, to make me forget about how, <laughs> about how hard things have been recently. So... I don't know. Those are my thoughts on Dial of Destiny. I would love to hear yours, so shoot me an email on monsters.midnight at gmail. Uh, midnight spilled incorrectly, or you can slide into our DMs at Facebook or Instagram, because I want to know what you think. And I encourage you to see the movie if you are an Indiana Jones fan. Judge it for yourself, but more importantly, go to the movies. It It's important, and I would hate to see like movie theaters die out entirely. The biggest question, though, with Dial of Destiny's release is, is it better or worse than Kingdom of the Crystal Skull? When I went to see Dial of Destiny, I had intended to watch Crystal Skull beforehand to refresh my memory, because I had not seen Crystal Skull since it came out in 2008, so literally 15 years ago. And my memory of it was so clouded by the insane hatred that it got, especially in the following year, and on the internet, and... Of course, because everything is black and white on the internet, it is swung wildly back in the other direction, where it's like, Indiana Jones in the Kingdom of the Crystal Skull is a wildly underrated masterpiece, and it's actually one of the best ones in the series, so I, I had no idea, um, is the point. Uh, but, when I finished Dial of Destiny and got back home, I put in Crystal Skull and gave it a rewatch. Is Dial of Destiny better or worse than Crystal Skull? And my answer is I think Crystal Skull is better. However, it still has a ton of problems. It's just its problems are wildly different than the problems that Dial of Destiny has. And we will get into those. But I really fucking like Crystal Skull. I think this movie is a blast. Um, directed by Steven Spielberg, of course. A uh, quick recap, refresher here of the synopsis, if you haven't seen this movie since it came out like I did. Set during the Cold War, the Soviets, led by sword-wielding Irina Spalko, are in search of a crystal skull which has supernatural powers related to a mystical lost city of gold. After being captured and then escaping from them, Indy is coerced to head to Peru at the behest of a young man whose friend and Indy's colleague, Professor Oxley, has been captured for his knowledge of the skull's whereabouts. Starring Harrison Ford, Kate Blanchett, Karen Allen, Shia LaBeouf, Ray Winstone, and John Hurt. This movie is a ton of fun. From the jump, it is paced so much better than Dial of Destiny, but that's also because it's like 40 minutes shorter. It is a ton of fun in the beginning. I love the the not, I love the opening with Indy and the caption it being blah, Indy and his partner, which we'll get into, uh, being kidnapped by the Russians to help them find what they're looking for in the same warehouse that the Ark of the Covenant is kept in. There's a lot of fun antics that go in, and also this is what why I'm, like this w was pretty much the 
the end of the series that we needed because it already does a lot of the same jokes about age that Dial of Destiny does, but it's also like not it it's not taking itself so seriously that you want to have the conversation. It's as simple as when Indy whips a banister and is swinging towards a moving truck but misses it and then swings back into another truck and says, damn, I thought that was closer. It's a funny moment. Um, but it's also so wild to me how much younger Harrison Ford seems in this when he seemed so old at the time. It's just as crazy how time works. <laughs> The motorcycle chase with Mutt and Indy through the streets of New York is a lot of fun as well. I assume it's New York. I, or it might be ver somewhere in, like, Virginia, actually. I'm not as up on the canon of Indiana Jones as I once was. Motorcycle chase is a lot of fun, and also funny with having some nods to Last Crusade. With, uh, when... Shia LaBeouf, as Mutt Williams, is very proud of himself for evading the Russians. He has a chuckle and is met with a scorning look from Indy, which is a direct parallel with what happens in Last Crusade with Sean Connery as Indy's father in that movie during that motorcycle chase. There are just a lot of fun moments. And going after that, the temple raid with the strange, like natives that are like hiding in all the all the like nooks and crannies of the temple and they jump out and they're blowing darts and they're like kung fu kicking it's like it's a creepy scene with a lot of great atmosphere and great set design and a lot of creepy crawlies and spiders as they're going through and it's just it's so rich and really pulpy and that great indiana jones adventure feeling now, when Karen Allen as Marion comes back is when the movie starts to lose me and when more of the holes start to show. I'm not, and, I mean, we'll go into a little bit of spoilers here. This movie is old by this point. So, And also, by this point, if you don't know what pissed people off, you haven't been paying attention. In terms of the writing... I don't care that aliens, or for, not aliens as the movie refers to them, interdimensional beings, are in this movie. Because the Crystal Skull historically has been believed to be of extraterrestrial origin by like historians and scientists and things of the like. They were running specials about the Crystal Skulls on the History Channel leading up to this movie. Like, I don't know why people were so blind... Well, I know why people were blindsided by that, but we'll get into it. Um, that is not the issue I have with this movie. The issue is that the writing just really loses its sense of... It's, it, it loses all tact. When Marion is reintroduced... I don't buy their chemistry of, like, they're at each other's throats and then immediately they're falling back in love. Um, this is also when the annoying side of Shia LaBeouf starts to crop up. But miraculously, on rewatching this, Shia LaBeouf is great in this movie. He is not nearly as irritating as people have made him out to be or as I remembered him, or at least was, like, led to believe to remember him he's a lot of fun in this movie and harrison ford fucking rules in this as well he's just smirking up a storm his dialogue is so tight it's so old school indiana jones it's great it's perfect um but once marion comes into play 
is also when the cartoony, zany antics that this movie gets a lot of shit for really become the forefocus, with Shia LaBeouf swinging with the monkeys through on vines through the trees, with them going over eight waterfalls, and this just stupid, poor writing decision, which is the entire character of Mac. He is just a waste of time and, like, the most contrived plot device I've ever seen in a movie. I fucking hate the character so much. And it's not even because, like, Ray Winstone is doing a bad job with the part. It's just, like, he's so poorly written and so contrived for the story that I cannot stand him. Um, this goes to the fact that it's, like, Indiana Jones has always been sort of for the most part, family entertainment, or at least adventure movies that, with some adult themes that aren't going to fuck your kids up too bad, barring Temple of Doom. I wouldn't recommend showing a kid Temple of Doom, but there's a difference between being child-friendly and childish, and this is when the, I think why people have such a hard time with the zany antics that happen in this movie is because it's very reactionary, it's very sticky. There's a bit in the jungle where Shia LaBeouf is sword fighting with Cate Blanchett's character, and he he is standing, so he's got one foot on one moving vehicle and the other foot on another moving vehicle as he's sword fighting her. And sure enough, because you know it's going to happen, a brush, a bush, hits him in the nuts as they're going through. Alright, a nut shot. It's standard. It's expected. He proceeds to get hit in the nuts like five more times by different bushes and it just begs the question like did someone actually think this is funny or was like the nut shot from the jump so expected that maybe pushing it in the other direction would make it funny and that's what some of the moments feel like to me um and like, like the swinging on the vines like it just seems like there was a a disconnect between like what sort of tone this movie should be going for where it's like it's like old school indiana jones but then sometimes it's like this goofy slapstick comedy and i think that's where the issues lie the issues with the zany slapstick comedy are also hindered by the fact that this movie visually has aged really poorly and i that was also the biggest point of contention from day one was they the over reliance on cgi over practical effects but it was also like 2008 so i get it but simultaneously this movie has aged visually really poorly i also don't even remember it looking that convincing when it came out i think the special effects and the visual effects that are like bolstering these like moments of action look terrible there is like also some inexcusably bad green screening in this as well it's like it really pops on the blu-ray that i watched where i was like wow that looks terrible and the color grading the color correction for this movie it just looks so awful. It's, like, way too vibrant. Like, way too, like, smeary. I, I don't even know how to describe it, but it looks so of the time that it was actually distracting. I said to myself multiple times, this movie looks like shit. It is well-directed and well, like, shot, um, and has great set pieces and set designs, but it just looks awful 
awful. It is it is genuinely shocking how how gaudy gaudy is a good word gaudy this movie looks, and I think that's the biggest hint distracting thing for me. Um, coupled with the fact that like the writing in the back half is all over the place, and the visual gags are way too cartoony for their own good. That being said, though. I really like this movie, and I'm honestly kind of upset that this is the only other time that I've seen it, because this movie is a lot of fun. I look forward to re-watching it in the future. Yeah, it has problems. Yeah, there's some believability issues. Uh, Even some of the belief... The thing is, like, the believability issues stem from the fact that it is done by CGI, so it looks like you're watching a video game most of the time. Whereas... In the originals, whether if it was something like the most unbelievable stunt I can think of is in Temple of Doom when they fall from the plane in the inflatable raft, but that was done with like dummies. It was actually done. It was tangible. It was a real thing. When Indiana Jones gets put in the refrigerator as the nuke goes off, and it looks like fucking Grand Theft Auto Four. That's why it's so distracting. That's why it feels less like Indiana Jones. And that's not even like... I honestly think that scene is kind of funny. So I don't even really mind that that much. It's, it's, it really is the color grading. Like, there's a scene where after the nuke goes off where Indy's being interrogated by the FBI and it's just, like, so blue. And it's, like, just... But, like, not in, like... I don't know, like a David Fincher or Michael Mann way, and just like a gaudy, ugly blue. It is just, this movie is rough looking, <laughs> but a lot of fun. A worthy entry in the Indiana Jones franchise, and ultimately, I think, a lot better than Dial of Destiny. And also, by the end of the movie, a really fitting conclusion to the story. Uh, with the potential of the sequel, if they wanted to go and follow Mutt Williams, if he like picked up in his father's sound, uh, footsteps, with maybe having Indiana Jones as a side character. However, that wouldn't have sold, so I understand why they scrapped any potential idea there if they were, if they, for whatever reason, had to make another one. Um, but Kingdom of the Crystal School kind of rules. I gave it a 4 out of 5 on this last rewatch, which was a whole star better when I, like, just logged it from memory when I first got Letterboxd. And I think that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, Please give us a like and follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel, where I do promise more stuff will be coming out. You can shoot us an email at monsters.midnight at gmail.com if you have any thoughts on today's episode or have any suggestions for future episodes. I'm also on letterbox.com slash mattflamingo. You can uh, follow me there if you want my takes on non-horror movies because I try to write about everything that I watch. Until next time, my tender lumplings, this episode belongs in a museum. <laughs>